Welcome to episode 6 of It Is What It Is podcast presented by Sports Cap Value. Today is Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. And today we are excited for our listeners as we discuss South Carolina football, recruiting, and where the program is heading. We have our special guest, our recruiting insider, Pat, to dive deep into those topics. But first, we recap the Super NFL divisional games last weekend and preview the conference championship games this coming Sunday to see who advances to the Super Bowl. We are Sports Cat Value, a sports analysis company providing you sports picks for, for the day through a subscription of your choice. Options include daily, weekend, weekly, or 30-day. So jump on board and be a part of our plays. Currently, we are running a special through January 31st where if you purchase the 30-day package, you will receive another 30 days free. Shall we not be positive in units for the month? Again, that is 30 straight days of VIP plays at your fingertips. Wanted to recap the uh, this past weekend with the divisional games where we had uh, Jacksonville and the Kansas City Chiefs playing in the first game to kick off the Saturday where the Chiefs were minus 9.5 and, and I believe the over-under was 53. Uh, Sports Guy Value uh, had the Chiefs at minus 9.5 and, and were looking good till the end where the Jacksonville Jaguars decided to uh, kick a field goal to cut it to 7. They were down 10, cut to 7 instead of trying to score a touchdown first. And uh, we were backdoored uh, there. So that's one of those that you're not happy to lose, but I feel like we were all still on the right side. And uh, moving on with that, I mean, that is what it is. Uh, the, the nightcap for Saturday was uh, the Philadelphia Eagles hosting the New York Giants. The line had moved to Philadelphia minus eight. The over-under, I believe, was around 48. We did not touch the over-under. Ended up taking the Eagles, and that was a no sweat. That was obviously our best bet. Uh, for Saturday, we had talked about maybe taking the Giants in the podcast, but once we started looking at the numbers and whatnot, we um, turned that over to the Eagles. And again, uh, the stuff that we're giving out on the podcast is, unless we're talking about a game coming up or that night, or and we've dived in deep into it, this is a preliminary look at what we're kind of looking for as we really deep dive into the numbers and uh, so we can have a, an actual play that we goes on our VIP card. So stay tuned for that. Grab a VIP card, and uh, we'll try to get some more winners. The Sunday uh, two games this past Sunday was the Buffalo Bills hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. The Buffalo Bills were minus five. This was a max play for sports cat value, as well as a lot of sharps. Uh, just. There's no reason that Buffalo should have lost this game. They played awful. And you got to give the Bengals credit. Joe Burrow and their defense and the offense is just looking good. Buffalo played terrible on defense. They couldn't stop them. Cincinnati was just kind of picking them apart. You know, small plays here and there, passes, runs. It was snowing. Obviously, it was a blizzard. So, kind of hard to stretch it down the field. But the Bengals are they're hitting their stride again as they were last year. And kind of disappointed in the Bills, the way they played. Josh Allen didn't play that well. Uh, I'm sure he would say the same thing. There was some – Stephon Diggs apparently was upset about not getting the ball. I mean, he's a playmaker for them. I, I mean, I don't blame him there. So, yeah, for looking back on the year, the Bills were the favorite to win the Super Bowl. So, if you had a futures on that, uh, it looks like, well, sorry. And I think everybody was rooting for the Bills to move on and – well, most of them. I know a lot of people like Joe Burrow. He's a big fan. Everybody's a big fan of him. He's kind of growing into somewhat the face of football with Mahomes and Allen and the rest of the crew. But the Bengals are moving on and going to face the Kansas City Chiefs uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, the final game was uh, the, the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Dallas Cowboys. San Francisco was minus four. We were on the Cowboys. And uh, we're looking good to the end. This is kind of a low-scoring game. We had the over here, but they really shut everything down on both defenses. That was kind of one of those things you look back on and just you have to be honest and just say that we missed that one. Uh, the the over was never never in touch, never in reach. And uh, the Cowboys had a chance to win the game, had a chance to tie it and keep it close. And, and we just kind of got backdoored again at the end with the San Francisco covering. Uh, and that's 
it is what it is. You, you take it on the chin, you move forward, and look forward to uh, making the right selections for uh, this coming uh, weekend. Uh, the two ga- Moving forward to the conference championship games this coming Sunday, I think the first game is 3 o'clock Eastern time. We are looking at the San Francisco 49ers heading to the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia is minus two and a half. This is a very intriguing game. Uh, let's see what this over-under is. Over-under is 46 and a half. I kind of think this is going to be a defensive battle. Uh, I'm looking for the under here, and I like the Eagles. I'm impressed with them. I, I like the Eagles minus two and a half. San Francisco coming all the way across the country. I know they've had a great year. I like Philadelphia, the better at quarterback with Jalen Hurts. Their offense is rolling. They both got great defenses. San Francisco's uh, paper is a little bit better category wise. But I'm going to take the Eagles minus two and a half, and I would take the under. And the final game at 6 30 is the Kansas City Chiefs hosting Cincinnati Bengals. This is a rematch of the AFC Championship last year where. The Bengals come from behind to upset the Chiefs and advance to the Super Bowl. Uh, to see this, the Bengals back in this position is very rare. I, as we mentioned in prior podcasts, you know most teams that lose the Super Bowl the next year, they don't respond like the way that Cincinnati has done this year. So you have to give them a lot of credit, Zach Taylor, the head coach, and their front office for upgrading their offensive line and bringing in key pieces and having Joe, Joe Burrow play the way he is and be the leader he is. And the future is very bright for them, and they're going to be tough in the AFC North. And here they are with a chance, one win away from to go back to back to back Super Bowls, which is something that Cincinnati has not done. So Kansas City is obviously licking their chops. I mean, trying to, you know, for payback from last year. Mahomes there's has somewhat of a significant ankle ankle injury in the Jacksonville game, so that is up in the air. I know he's talked to the media; he looks to be walking pretty well. But we don't know the details, what's going on behind closed doors, how efficient he's going to be, how, he, how is he going to be able to escape the pocket and uh, get that ball but I, to Kelsey or other playmakers. But I look for Kelsey to have a big game. He's been awesome. I just There's nobody that can guard him in, when it comes to tight ends. And if they if they get on a roll, it's going to be tough to beat Kansas City. Cincinnati's hot. Everybody loves Cincinnati. They're in a hot roll. They're playing very well. They just have that edge about them. I, I like I have I have a futures on Kansas City, so I'm gonna roll with my Kansas City Chiefs here with Mahomes. And if they lose a home, they just lose a home. You tip the cap to Burrow and the Bengals, and you move on. Uh, far as the spread, the I mean, for, excuse me, far as the total, the over under is 47 and a half. Uh, I might spring a little bit for this to go over. They're both good offenses. I'm not sure if there's how much defense is gonna stop these uh these two quarterbacks. So. Spring a little bit on the over, and uh, should be two good, really good games for Sunday. So I know I'm looking forward to uh, watching them and put some action on it. So, again, grab a car, uh, VIP play so you can get some uh, – probably put some action on it. We'll look for value there. I'm not saying we'll play every spread or every total, but I'm sure we'll be on something. So uh, grab a card today and uh, look forward to having you uh, come be a part of the team. Welcome back to the It It Is What It Is podcast presented by Sports Cat Value. And as I mentioned earlier, we have a special guest for you today, Pat, who is our recruiting insider, I'd like to say. Welcome, Pat, to the show. How are you doing? Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to this conversation. Excited for the future for uh, Sports Cat Value. I know you put a lot of hard work into it, and um, you're going to make a lot of people a lot of money. So I'm looking forward to that. Thank you. I appreciate it. I know uh, me and you are, are diehard Gamecock fans. We're both uh, graduates of the school, so we kind of, I guess, lack of a better term, kind of live and breathe uh, Carolina sports and, and, and mainly uh, South Carolina football. So uh, would you uh, agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Um, unfortunately, I was born into it. Um, being a South Carolina fan, fan has, a, has a lot of ups and downs, but uh, I remember going to every game and, what was the 2000 when we went 0 for 11? Oh, yes. Went, went, went to every game with my granddad. <laughs> yeah. And and I'll never forget, my granddad said, hey, you got to decide now if you're going to be a Gamecock fan because you're going to get a lot of this. And luckily, I was uh, 
I was at, in, at South Carolina and Columbia at the right time from uh, 2010 to 14. So I saw some good football when I was there, but I think, I think we're getting back on the right track. Yeah, you definitely uh, went to school during the quote-unquote glory days of South Carolina football with Spurrier and the back end of his tenure here at, at the university. But uh, now we've got a young and upcoming coach who's kind of starting to get some national recognition and who was you know, not widely uh, regarded uh, when he was first hired here two years ago. And that's Shane Beamer. And uh, what what are your thoughts on what he's done so far in his first two years? Um. So when so when we got rid of Muschamp, I was. I feel like most South Carolina football fans were kind of in the same position. It's just like, man, we knew that hire was not going to work, right? Right. And then we go out and get Shane Beamer, who has never been a head coach ever. I mean, his dad was one heck of a head coach. We all know that. Right. But, I mean, he's never been offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, no coordinator position anywhere. And it's just a – it was a risky hire. Um, it, I don't know what more you can say besides – I mean, it was risky, but it's 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 coming around, man. The dude can recruit. And, and if you go back to when he was on Spurrier's staff from 2007, 2010, right. those are some of the best recruiting classes South Carolina ever pulled in. Yeah, I, I think, um, I think like, that's, that's a very good point. You know, in my opinion as well, when, when he left South Carolina his, his first time as a recruiting coordinator, our recruiting went downhill and it went downhill fast. And that's when that was the beginning of the end for Steve Spurrier. And so I think Shane Bieber had a lot, deserved a lot of credit for what he did to help uh, kind of build those glory days while you were here at school and while a lot of people remember those those three straight 11 win sw- seasons. Um, and as far as the head coaching hire, you know, Muschamp, a lot of people, uh, as you said earlier, like Muschamp was highly regarded. I know he didn't do well at Florida, but he was a big name. So I, I, there was a, probably a mix of bag of emotions when it came to the Muschamp hire, right? Yeah, I mean, he was a big name, but my whole thought process with that hire was, like, if you can't succeed at Florida where you have everything, you have all the facilities, you have the the big boosters on your back, I mean, if you can't win there, I don't – you you definitely can't win in South Carolina because we, we don't have those – we have some big boosters. I'm not saying we don't have big boosters, but – we don't have close as many. We don't have the national recognition as that as that logo. Right. I mean, and I, I just I didn't see it working. I I think he got lucky his first couple of years, right? And then and then the true side started coming out. But I mean, he had the same issue at Florida. He could never get that offensive coordinator hire figured out. Yeah, that was the same thing here. And I I, I wasn't a fan of the hire initially either. And it didn't it didn't work out and i was very ecstatic about having shane beamer even though the, he was not getting on the recognition initially just based on his resume but knowing that he had previously worked here as an assistant i could not be more excited to have him and it's so far his first two years has really been he's knocked it out the ballpark and and especially with the the 2022 season um winning eight games did you expect that following his first uh, year um, no, I didn't. I, I really did not. I, I think, I think the addition of Rattler helps with that a lot. Um, but we, we can get into that a little bit later. Um, and he's put, he's put together like the, the hires he made for defensive coordinator, special teams coordinator. When, when he first did that, I was just like, I, I was kind of dumbfounded. I was like, who the heck is Pete Limbo? Um, <laughs> And come to find out, I mean, we we need to do whatever we can to keep that guy on staff. He's a genius. Absolutely. Um, he's put the staff he's put together. They they know their their X's and O's, but they also know how to recruit. Very, and very critical. I think when when you're somewhere like South Carolina, where we don't get, I mean, we're we're not going to be up there with the Georgia and the Alabamas and when you have a another in-state school right up right up the road in Clemson, um, you you got to have a staff that can recruit, and Beamer did a great job of that. That's right. Yeah, he's um, 
for him to win eight games and to put the staff together, he's he's slowly building with the recruiting classes that are coming. And for him to bring in Rattler after year one shows that he, he can get the big name, even though we don't have, like you said, that, that big logo, that big well-known national brand. But I think a lot of people nationally do know about Cyclone, and I think that's from the, the Holtz and Spurrier days. So Yeah, yeah, that definitely helped. I mean, Spurrier showed the country that you can win at South Carolina. Um, unfortunately, we ran into uh, Cam Newton in the SEC championship. Yeah. Uh, in Atlanta, and that was uh, fun trip, by the way. Uh, besides oh, the gosh, game, it. yeah, it was a good time. But man, that game, that Cammy Cam juice stuff, that made me want to throw up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess going back to this season, but for us to win eight games and to to beat Tennessee and to beat Clemson off after coming off a really disappointing loss with Florida. I mean that that's that says a lot about Beamer and his ability to kind of motivate guys. Would you not say that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, coming off that Florida game, I think the entire fan base was so deflated. I was honestly shocked that we were sold out for Tennessee. Um, crazy. It, it was crazy, but I mean, we got off to a slow start. I mean, if you think about it, the Georgia State game. Way closer than it should have been. For sure. Arkansas had our number. Um, it, it was just a slow start overall. And I, I think that goes back to our um, previous offensive coordinator, Marcus Satterfield, who's now in Nebraska. Yeah. Um, Nebraska taking him off our hands is a, a blessing in disguise. I'm not going to say this was for sure going to happen, but if he didn't find another job, I don't, I don't think he would still be employed by – by, our, by by the university, but um, yeah, slow start. Um, but I there's some rum, some rumors going around that after the Florida game, Ray Tanner had a meeting with Beamer, and Ray Tanner, for those that do not know, is South Carolina's athletic director. Right, heck of a baseball coach. Not so sure about his uh, athletic director skills, but um. They had a meeting, and he told Beamer that we would not be retaining Satterfield after this season. And uh, I think that message was relayed prior to the uh, Tennessee game, and Satterfield just gave the I I don't care anymore mentality. Um, And I think that's what really pushed our offense across the line. I think the guy, he's he's really, really smart. Right. Everybody I've talked to, um, and I've met him once or twice, he's, I mean, he's really smart. He's not the nicest guy, um, but the dude knows offense, and he knows it a little bit too well. Uh, just for example, we had 24 offensive packages prior, like, prior to the Tennessee game. Right. And after that meeting with, with Ray Tanner, Beamer went in there and told him, we're going down to five. And you saw that in the games. I mean, our offense, a lot of the times, had no clue what they were doing. Yeah. It, and it, went, it looked like Tennessee and Clemson were two different offenses, totally off, offenses from the beginning for the, the first 10 games of the season. Um, I, I, I think I had mixed emotions about Satterfield. I thought, you know, he called some good things here and there. Maybe it was an execution thing. Maybe it was a play calling thing. But like you said, a lot of the, a lot of the games as in the first half of the season, we would the first half we wouldn't come out motivated, looking to play. Maybe the plays weren't scripted right. I don't. I don't really have an answer to that. Would you agree with that or that assessment? Yeah, I just I, I just think the offense was overcomplicated. I, I really do. Yeah. Um, and then when we simplified it and those guys could start playing three and not worrying about taking taking the wrong route or or not knowing exactly what route they're supposed to be running because of the 24 different packages that we had. Right. And, and when they started playing three, man, that's when you saw a bunch of those guys just light it up. I mean, Juice Wells came out of nowhere. Yeah, he's good. Why don't we not get him the ball all season is – I guess to be had for an, another day, <laughs> but um, yeah. moving on, looks like we've we've got a new uh, 
OC and logins and uh, what do you know? Do you know anything about him or kind of give a background on what he's going to be doing? What kind of offense he's going to be running? Uh, he's, he's gonna, he's Beamer really wants that pro offense. Right so, and I, I think that is honestly how we sold Rattler into coming. Um, we, we told Rattler we were going to set him up to be ready to run an offense in the NFL. And, um, so Beamer really wants to stick it up for offense. I think we're going to do that again with Loggins. Um, I just I don't think he's gonna make it overcomplicated like Satterfield did, um, but there's a lot of unknowns there. Yeah, has has he? I don't think he's been an OC before, so it's gonna be it's gonna be. He has been actually. Oh, he has. Okay. Yeah, in the um, NFL. Okay, I got you. Um, and there's a ESPN article that ranks. Offensive coordinators for the NFL, I think it was like 2016 or 17. Um, and ESPN said he was the worst offensive coordinator in the league. So, um, <laughs> but I mean, we know a lot of very successful college coaches have gone to the league and, and come back. I mean, yeah. Saban, Spurrier. Sure. So I don't want to dig into that too much. Um, I think he learned his lesson. I mean, I mean, he was an offensive coordinator at age like 32. You, you got to be a really smart person to do that. Yeah. Well, it sounds like he's got a, obviously has a good relationship with Beamer. And, and the, I think Beamer's proven that when he hires somebody that he knows what he's doing and you have to trust in what he's doing and going forward as far as the offense and, and recruiting of players um, as well as uh, bringing in, you know, new guys with the transfer portal. Um, I know that that's pr- – Obviously, college football is kind of turned into the free agency with the transfer portal. So, how is South Carolina fighting that uphill battle um, in regards to that? Well, the only way to explain the transfer portal right now is I mean, it's the Wild Wild West. It is <laughs> gung ho. Tell me how much money you got, even though you don't have the money to pay players like the situations going on down in Florida yeah, that's with, their, with their quarterback. Um, it's a bunch of tampering going on. I, I know a couple couple of our players that hit the portal, they knew where they were going before they hit the portal. Yeah. So it's a lot of money, but I like the old saying, the portal, portal taketh and the portal giveth. Yeah. Um, it give, giveth last year for us with Rattler and Wells and a couple other guys that came on board through the portal. And this year, I mean, we lost, we lost a stud tight end in Jaheim Bell. Yeah. We lost a five-star defensive end in Jordan Birch. Um, Edmonds, the other defensive end we had that transferred to Florida State, and he was coming on. I, you'd never heard his name before this year, and, and he was a stud. So we just – we're, do, we're doing a decent job filling some positions that are of need with the portal this year. Um, and I think we got some more. We definitely got to load back up on defensive end. We're very, um, very thin there right now because of those two that left. But we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I just I, – I think the NCAA needs to get it under control. Yeah, with the transfer portal, I don't – I mean, guys shouldn't be able to transfer year in and year out just because they're not playing or they don't like the situation. And also, they need to change it so they can thoroughly vet these schools. Like you said, I mean, I hate to say it, but Florida State is just picking our guys. They're just taking our – something's going on, but they're just taking all of our guys. (laughs) I mean, yeah, these – with Bell and Edmonds, and then a couple of years ago taking uh, – I can't remember the defensive back that was playing there. Robinson? Robinson, yeah. Jamie? Yeah, yeah. I was a must-champ guy. There, mm-hmm. there seems to be a uh, – them these players just leaving, leaving Columbia and going to Tallahassee. But the players, the old, the old ways of sitting out a year and then going to play, uh, I don't know if that's the answer, but this transfer year in, year out is – kids going to five different schools is absurd. Yeah. We've actually seen that with a, a quarterback. This is uh, his what fifth school in four years. Um, I can't remember his name, but 
Yeah, it's it's just it's getting ridiculous. I, I'm I think they need to kind of limit it. I mean, it, it, you you get in my opinion, it should be one free transfer, right? And you get you're immediately eligible, and then after that, we go back to the old school way. Yep. If you transfer again, you sit out of here. I agree. I think it should be like that as well. You get one, you get kind of one freebie, and that's it. Yeah. Do your yep. third. Then, do your recruiting over. Do your thorough vetting of these schools. And make your choice, and then after that, it's you're sitting a year out. Yeah, and the NIL with that whole situation hasn't helped for sure. Um, yeah. As far as recruiting, uh, I know you keep up with that. I don't keep up with it like I used to. I know you're kind of the insider when it comes to all that. Um, what do you think about the 2023 class, as well as the 2024? 2023 is is good. I, I'm. I'm very optimistic about the 2023 class. We um we reloaded all offensive line. We got Marky Anderson out of Dorman, yeah. um, South Carolina, which is right up the road from Clemson. And he was ranked fifth as an inside offensive lineman in the country. Um, real high five-star. He's signed with us. We got, I can't say his name, uh, out of Maryland. We call him Big Tree. Um He's another big five-star offensive tackle, and the the kid's a beast, man. He's six six three ten coming out of high school, That's and crazy. he can move. He's he's gonna be good. Um, we also, I mean, it, it's it's exciting that we're reloading on there, but we we all know offensive linemen. They, you know how hard it is for offensive linemen to come straight out of high school and play college college power five. Football, yeah, those especially are, in the SEC. Yeah, they are. Everyone is like two or three year project at minimum, you know. Yeah, I mean, you got to get them in a nutrition program immediately, and it takes a year for them to get the right size just to play the position. Yeah, um, and you need what? Probably you need ten guys, you know, that you can count on because some are going to get hurt, and you need a rotation and ten to twelve guys, you know, and for those positions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we. We did, yeah. The twenty twenty three class is good. It's really good. It, we we address a lot of positions of need. Um, we got a really good linebacker out of Jacksonville, uh, Pup Howard. He's he's going to be. I mean, if you look at him now, you'd say that kid is ready for college ball. I mean, he's a beast. So I'm real excited about him. We got another offensive lineman out of Georgia, um, Trayvon Bow. Again, he's going to need some kind of nutrition program to to where he's going to be ready to play. But I think in two to three years, man, we're going to have a really good front five. And I I can't wait to see what that looks like because it's been a long time since South Carolina's had a solid front five. Yeah, not only the front five, but you make a good point, too, about linebacker. We really haven't – I mean, that's what blows my mind, too, when we had Muschamp is he was known for a defensive guy, being a defensive guy and bringing in – linebackers, DBs, defensive, whoever. But we have struggled to find that go-getter linebacker that can really make a difference, that can drop in coverage or run, run chase a running back down or receiver down and make a tackle. And we really haven't had that since Spurrier, which is, like, crazy. Yeah. I mean, what's the last linebacker, like, really good linebacker you remember in South Carolina? Scott Moore. Yeah, exactly. Scott what was Moore. that, 2014? Yeah, 13, 14. Skyboard. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a position we've not done well at. Um, I don't know how Muschamp. I mean, Muschamp can recruit. I'll give him that, but he just wasn't able to develop those kids as well as I, as well as it should have, in my opinion. Yeah, the, um, you got to have somebody that can manage the field and just take over that middle portion of the field, and we just been able have not been able to do that. And it's, I can't, you know, beat that drum enough how valuable that is. Yeah, I mean, we got stone. So we have from last year's class, the 2022 class, um, Stone Blanton. He was a big time linebacker out of Mississippi, big time recruit. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's fast enough for SEC ball. Yeah, um, but there are a lot of a lot of places. I mean, he had to play this year as a true freshman. Yeah, and that says a lot of how how thin we were at that position. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't ready to play. I don't know if he knew the schemes as well as he should have. And a lot of those, he was out of position and he just couldn't catch up. Yeah. But I, I think he's going to be good once he figures it out and 
and, and gets his nutrition right and gets a little bit quicker, I, I think he's going to be a good player. Um, it, we'll see what happens with that. Well, with I guess the biggest news lately has been the 2024 recruiting class with some names, some big names that Beamer's uh, starting to get. And it looks like this, the 2024 class is going to be very promising for South Carolina and probably Beamer's best to date and probably South Carolina's best since the Spurrier days. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. We, this week alone, we got a commitment from Michael Smith. who's out of Savannah, Georgia. He's a four-star tight end. Really good athlete, already a big kid, 6'4", 225, going into his senior year of high school. Yeah. Um, he, he's he's going to be good. We got a commit from the number one offensive tackle in the country out of um, uh, Dorchester, South Carolina, Woodland High School. Um, kind of blows my mind that the kid's not a five-star, being the number one offensive tackle in the country. But How does that happen? That's what I don't understand. They haven't. They haven't had enough time to get these rankings correct. Okay. He's going to be a five-star. When when it's a year out, they're just getting done with the 2024 class, right? So when it's a year out, we haven't really had time to scout these kids. Um, but he, he's going to be a five-star. I, I know that. Um, and, and we're looking good with a bunch of other good players, man. Like, there, there's a offensive lineman at – out of Dillon, South Carolina, I mean, he's looking good. I will put a name out there for you. Um, next couple of weeks, I think we're getting a commitment from him. His name's Wendell Gregory. He's a linebacker out of Marietta, Georgia. Okay. The, the kid's a stud. 6'4", 220, runs like a 4'3", 40. Jeez. Linebacker, um, you said? Yeah. Linebacker, yeah. So, again, we're, we're, we're trying to fill those positions of need. Um, but going back to the 2023 class, we – I want to, there's a Nick Harbor. I don't know if you've heard that name. Have you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a five-star out of Maryland. The He's kid's a stud. A freak he is a stud. I mean, complete stud. He wants to play. So he's considered an athlete because he plays defensive line and tight end for, in high school. Um, but he wants to play tight end at South Carolina because he doesn't want to put on the weight because the, the kid is a top world ranked track runner at six, five two twenty five. That is crazy. <laughs> I mean, he ran a 10.22 hundred meter this past year. And that was the seventh fastest hundred meter in the world for under 18. That's wild. And then I think he's what scheduled within the next week or so to uh, announce his commitment. Right. Mm-hmm. What are you next? Uh, it's the first, so next uh, Wednesday. Yeah, a week from today. Yep. So, what do you yep. think? You think he's coming to South Carolina or what? I know our coaches went on went for an in-home visit today. Um, it it looks good. He's he's going to Oregon this weekend on an official visit. But based off my sources, I I would be surprised if he didn't pull the South Carolina hat come commitment day. That would be that obviously would be the number one recruit for for the twenty twenty three class for sure. Um, he's a stud, and uh, absolutely he would come in and play day one. And those are those are the game changers that we need. Yeah, yeah, he would be a big pickup. But um, yeah, I mean recruiting's going well, and and we can we can get into the twenty four class. I mean we've already had a we we've talked about it a little bit, but the. Man, I'll tell you what, the 25 class, that's even more exciting than me. I mean, Beamer's laying the – he's putting down the work and, and laying the, the way to Columbia. And these kids, he's putting us back on the map. Yeah. And that's that's the most exciting thing. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting. It's He's doing a lot of stuff. He's got a great staff. Uh, we got all the facilities, and that's been in place now. It's – the only thing now that we're fighting is the NIL and uh, what's your thoughts on NIL and that, that that's going to be our biggest probably uh, issue or our biggest wall to climb when it comes to competing with these other programs. Yeah. NIL man, name, image, and likeness. It's a great concept, right? (laughs) Oh my goodness. What a joke. What a mess. I mean, 
as soon as the Supreme Court came down with that ruling, it was who's got the most money. That's right. I mean, that's what it is. It's not name, image, and likeness. I don't know if you know this, but a bunch of big boosters at other schools, they'll buy a shack on the side of the road and call it a business and then give this kid a couple million dollars and say, oh, it's for name, image, and likeness for this abandoned shack that I have in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> business. Yeah. I mean, it's hilarious. Yeah. But I, we, it's got to get under control. It's kind of similar with the, with the transfer portal. Um, it, and the other, the other, so South Carolina, we have big boosters, right? Right. I mean, just to name one, Joe Rice. Uh, if, if you don't know Joe Rice's name, I, I just suggest you go and Google it. Yeah. Um, He's big time. The dude is loaded. When, when you, when you win a uh, big lawsuit against big tobacco, you, you're going to be set for life. I mean, he's he's always been a big booster. He's helped us out with a lot of big players. Um, but we – so South Carolina set up this NIL deal. They call it the Park Avenue. And it was where the university would be paying a sports agency out of Greenville, South Carolina. And <clears throat> the athletic department kind of marketed it as like, uh, we have this set up so you can pour your money into the department and we'll be able to pay these players through Park Avenue. And then the NCAA came down and said, whoa, 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 whoa. Can't do that. So that got put on hold. So this whole time, it was probably a span of, a, I don't know, eight months, ten months. People were pouring their money into the athletic department thinking, oh, we've got this NIL thing figured out. We're we're the first in the country to do this. Right. We're, we're going to be set. And um, come to find out, can't do it. So what the money that should have been put into these collectives, these NIL collectives that other universities have been doing and a lot longer than we were. Um, we got a real late start. So we're, we're trying to catch up. We've got a couple good ones. Uh, I, I really like um, the Garnet Trust. Um, I think they're managed very, very well, very transparent. Um, and there's, there's rumors going on that our big boosters might be purchasing ownership in another uh, NIL collective that we, that we have for the university. Yeah, so what, that's exciting. What do you think, I guess, with like the Garnet Rise and what do you think the university is going to try to do? I mean, you think it's more of like a, you know, since we don't have like a lot, we do have big, like you said, we have big boosters, but we don't have a lot of big boosters. We don't have that oil money. We don't have, you know, like Texas and Texas A&M's got, or you don't have the Oregon stuff with the Nike and what have you, or USC with all the LA, California so you think South Carolina is looking to draw from trying to get a lot of alumni to, to donate in small portions to actually grow that fund? Yeah, it's similar like IPTE that right. Clemson has. Yeah, um, Most of that goes straight to the athletic department, but they're, Clemson does a good job getting a lot of little investments. Right. Um, and they've done that for a long time. I think, I think South Carolina fans are – are starting to realize how important these collectives are. And that's, it's only going to benefit our recruiting um, throughout all sports, but specifically football. Um, I don't think, I think Tanner's so old school. He didn't know how to do it, to be honest. Um, So we'll see what happens there, but I've had a conversation or two with some, some big boosters that I know. And um, they, they told me that they're, they're scared to throw big money at these things. They don't know where it's going. They don't, they don't feel comfortable having their name on a, in a database. Um, Cause that's not how they're used to doing it. They're used to getting a bag of cash and <laughs> throwing it in the trunk of a car. You know what I mean? Yeah. A, a briefcase, right? Or lack of a better term. Right. right? Yeah, a briefcase. Yeah. <laughs> that are, that are a, a half a million dollar house. So. Yeah. That, that's the, that's the, that's a good point. That's the first thing I questioned when the NIL became a thing and became illegal, I guess, um, was if, if I'm a big booster and I'm donating my money, where's my return going to come from? Right. Yeah. And I think that's what we're seeing at A&M. I mean, they're, I mean, they paid 
what was it? It was close to like ten million dollars for that last year's recruiting class. Yeah. And then come to find out they weren't paying the players and half of them left. Um so I, I think that's what's gonna fix this NIL stuff is I mean, if you're investing big money, you expect a return. You know, if you're not getting that return, you're gonna cut back how much you're investing, right? Right. So I, I think it's I think it's the same deal for those big boosters starting to realize, well, man, I, I gave you three million dollars last year and you're coming out for five million and you didn't even you weren't even top twenty five at the end of the season. Yeah. So So how do you think that I guess since it is an NIL and it's negotiations, how do you think that's going when it, like Beamer or his staff is visiting a player, how do you think that conversation goes? Is it basically a financial negotiation? I mean, how do you think, how would you play it out? Yeah. I mean, it is a financial negotiation. You got to let these kids know, like, look, we're going to take care of you. But at the same time, we're not going to be throwing you $2 million as a freshman. who's probably not going to see the field. Right. I, I think they use Rattler and Juice Wells as an example when they sit down with players. Like, look, He's been successful. I mean, and he made two point seven million dollars this past year. Mm-hmm. So we're not we're not gonna be throwing big money at, at freshmen. I, I just I don't see the return in that. I think a lot of the boosters don't see a return in that. Um, but we will if if they turn out to be the players that we think that they can be, we're we're gonna we're gonna make them happy. Yeah. I think it kind of goes back to the Cyclones recruiting days where, like, you're not going to necessarily get all the five stars, but you're going to find those three stars in the rough and then that can develop to be five stars and first-rounders and second-rounders in the NFL draft, and that's where you really capitalize. Yeah, and that's what scares me with the portal, man. Like, back in the day, they didn't leave. They stuck it out. Nowadays, you find a, a three-star in the rough, and yeah, if you can keep them for that second year, you're lucky. Like, we got – we got lucky with Nick uh, Imawawu, uh, the, the safety this past year. Yeah, out of Irmo, South Carolina. Man, he's um, he's a heck of a ball player. That that kid can ball as a true freshman, starting safety in the SEC. Yeah, I and mean, he could lay some licks. Um, and we we did a good job of hanging on to him, and we sh- the fan base put their money where their mouth is. I mean, he he got a big payday from Garnet Trust over um, this past December. So if you show up and play at South Carolina, we're definitely going to make it worth your time. Oh, absolutely. That is for sure. Um, the, the fan base is loyal, and they'll, they'll adapt to this NIL stuff, and we'll, we'll do everything they can to uh, take care of our players for sure. Yeah, we're getting there. We just got to get some of these policies, university policies. I mean, we some our university somehow always manages to shoot themselves in the foot. I, I just it blows my mind. I don't I don't know if you've been looking into this Trojan Jeff Code stuff at all, but um, man, what a mess. Yeah, it's I don't know the full details there. I'll, I'll kind of let you elaborate how you want to with that. Yeah, so Trojan Jeff Code. We talked earlier about how we're we're losing. We're, we're very thin at defensive end. Right. Um. Jeff Coates from Irmo, South Carolina. Uh, he was a three-star coming out of high school. And for some reason, the previous staff of Muschamp and, and company, they they decided not to give him an offer. Um, so he went and played at Missouri, and he was All-American as a freshman at Missouri. The kid's a, a, a player. He, um, he got in a little trouble his freshman year at Missouri. Um, come to find out he was dating a Missouri board member's daughter. Okay. And daddy found out and the daughter said, oh, that didn't happen and made a couple accusations that turned out to not be true. Um, and South Carolina has a policy in place where uh, it's our, our Title IX department um, the director there, they, they implement a policy that if you took PTI or pretrial intervention classes, any sort of classes to, to help uh, any sort of charges, guilty or not, he did that. I mean, Jeff could did that so he could get back on the football field. Right. Um, 
we we wouldn't accept him for that because we have this policy in place. Even though, come to find out, he was not guilty of the accusations. Um, we couldn't take him because of this policy and because our Title IX director put her foot down and ticked a lot of fans off. And I think they're trying to figure out a way to to rewrite that policy as we speak. Yeah, I mean, there has to be a better way, especially like this day and age about doing, you know, due diligence on players and as much stuff that's much money is being put into these programs and evaluations that are had. Like, I'm sure that this did not sit well with Shane Beamer at all. Oh, no. Shane Beamer. So that's the thing with Shane Beamer. He's got two daughters. Right. If this were true, he would not be going to bat for him. True. Um, so the fact that he's going to bat says all I need to know. And after I talked with a, an attorney buddy that was helping out with um, with the Jeffco situation, and they sat down with this director, Title IX director, and she's an Ohio State grad. And she said to the university president and all the attorneys in that room that Ohio State would not let this kid in. And... <laughs> My attorney buddy turned to her and said, you realize Ohio State had Urban Meyer as your head coach and he was covering up one of his assistants beating his wife for a very long time and you're going to come out and say that? So I think this girl's just trying to – I don't know. I I think she's trying to get her point across and it's ticked a lot of people off. I mean, we'll see what comes with that. But We lost lost a big defensive end, which is – a really big position that we need to fill and it's just a mess right now. Yeah. That's, that's especially frustrating too. When you know that the, the, the staff has, has evaluated, done everything and looked at this and going about it the right way. And for, you know, for us to not have the kid in our program is uh, very frustrating for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get it fixed. I mean, like I said, we both agree that Beamer's got us in the right spot. Transfer portal's about to open up again. So I'm sure there are some kids that are going to hop in and, and, and fill those positions we need. Is there any signing day? I know signing day is coming up. Is there any outside of the Harbor kid? Are we looking to sign any more, maybe a handful? I mean, how's that looking? Um, so for high school recruits, I think the last one's going to be Harbor. Okay. Um, as for transfers, I think we'll see a couple come in. Uh, I really think it's going to be defensive linemen, edge in particular, um, and maybe a couple linebackers. But besides that, I mean, I think we're good. We, we've got a young secondary um, on the defense, which is very exciting. Torian Gray, man, that guy's a stud. He yeah. can develop oh, yeah. players. That's key. He's- yeah, so I, I'm excited. Yeah, and that's the thing too is like, you know, spring ball, you got signing day, the fall signing day, and or I don't know, I guess you call it fall or winter signing, whatever you want to call it, the old signing day, February. And then, mm-hmm. you know, working our way into spring ball, which I don't really look too much into, but and then you got the season, they'll be off with the summer break, and then the 2023 season will be here before you know it. Uh, obviously, looking t- forward to that, you know, we're about eight months out from that. What's your outlook with that? I mean, I mean, again, our our schedule is brutal as always. Being the SEC, uh, Georgia is just leaps and bounds above everybody. Tennessee seems to be, you know, coming up very fast. They had a great year, even though we did beat them. They did had a wonderful year. Florida will be Florida, and Kentucky seems to be a a steady program as well. Um, what what's your outlook with for twenty twenty three season? Uh, I got two words: cautiously, cautiously optimistic. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Sounds like a state of the year for South Carolina, right? As a fan, yeah, exactly. That's every year for me, man. I, <laughs> we um, we got a new offensive coordinator, like we said earlier. It's just a lot of unknowns there, and like you mentioned, we we have a brutal schedule. Uh, I know a lot of people say, "Well, you're just an SEC East." Yeah, but we we have to play A&M every year luckily they had a down year this year true um 
there's just a lot of unknowns and and we don't have like we mentioned before we don't have depth at linebacker or or defensive end so cautiously cautiously optimistic is is my outlook right now yeah the same i've I've bet the over the last two years, and you know, obviously we're a sports betting podcast, and I've bet the over both seasons, last two seasons under Beamer, and they've been at well, it was like four or four and a half the first year, and it was at six, six and a half this year, and I expect it'll probably be around the same for twenty twenty three, just based on how the schedule is and how Sarkon is, but I will if it's at six or six and a half, I'm going to take the over. I like Beamer somehow to get seven wins out of that brutal schedule somehow, some way, you know. Yeah, I, I, I think we might surprise people. I would, I, if it's if it's at eight, I would bet the over there. Really? Yeah, I, I think we're going to be. If it's at seven and a half, I'll bet the over. Yeah. Um, I, I think we're going to have a another good year. I mean, Beamer's always, I mean, he's, he's beat Vegas two years in a row. So that's, that's, that's good in my books. I mean, coming off a two win season this first year and he, he did a great job. He's turned the program around and I'm, I'm real excited about the future, man. Yeah. The future is bright and I, and I know we'll both have our eyes and ears on it and uh, kind of wrap this up. I know it's been fun, a lot of discussion. It's been a lot of, a lot of insightful stuff, Pat. So again, thank you for joining us and thank you for taking time to out of your busy schedule and uh, look forward to getting back on here again and discussing some more South Carolina stuff. Absolutely, man. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to sports cap value, man. I know that's the first place I go. Um, and, and you always have the right pick. So I appreciate everything you're doing. Um, you're, you're letting some people like myself who are, not as well versed in the in the sports books. You you give us a lot of good advice, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where this sports cap value stuff goes to. Man, it's exciting. Awesome. Well, I do appreciate it, and uh, we'll be in touch. And uh, thanks again. All right. Thank you. All right. See you. See you. Well, thanks again for Pat for joining us and. Great conversation. A lot of insight about the South Carolina football program. It is what Beamer has going is very exciting, and I look for him to do big things not only in 2023, but 2024 and beyond. So that is all for episode six. Good luck with all your picks for this upcoming weekend with the conference championship. We've got a lot of good games. Have fun. Spend time with your friends, your family. Be safe out there. Again, come grab a package. We have a special running through January 31st. Get that 30-day package. If we're not profitable for those 30 days as part of our VIP, we'll get throw in another 30 days for free. So come join the Sports Cat Value crew. Be a part of the VIP and have plays at your fingertips. Let's get some winners. And until then, signing out from the skib. See ya.